looking forward to it. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining once again um, for these wonderful conversations I have with marketing, design, and communications folks. Uh, I'm really excited to have my friend Omari uh, join us today. Omari Souza, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I got it right. I got it right. Uh, assistant professor of graphic design at Texas State University. Um, thanks for thanks for hopping on here, Omari. Uh, no problem at all. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I was just telling him before we recorded that it's been like a couple of years since I saw him because you used to be here in Pittsburgh, and we taught at the same university, albeit at different times. And much like how relieved. And, you know, I felt after leaving that place, I hope you are as well. Uh, I am. Uh, Texas State, the environment's a lot, uh, it's a lot different. It's a bit more um, open to my specialty as a design researcher and educator. Um, the weather's a lot better. Um, there are more faculty members that are closer to my generation of uh, practice. Um, it's so overall, it just feels like a benefit. Well, it's good. I'm I'm glad that it's it's a good fit for you. Um, and uh, I'm I'm guessing you're you're thriving down there. Uh, yeah. Uh, I well, I depends. <laughs> yes, yes. I um, it's it's been a blessing to be down here. It's 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 an amazing place. Um, the students are amazing. Faculty members are amazing. It's 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 a really awesome place. The dean is completely supportive. Yeah. Um, it's been a really good place to be. Part of it as well, too. Well, I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that you're down there and things are working out. Um, I've I've been a I've been a fan of yours for a while, and I know you're doing some really great stuff in the design field, especially on the teaching side. And I'm excited for you because you're relatively new in, in the the teaching aspect of things. Uh, how how long have you been teaching? Just like three or four years? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I graduated from grad three. Yeah, I graduated from grad school at Penn State University in 2017. So I've only been teaching for about three years until. Um, you know, and you know, I've been to Kent, and and I'm familiar with the program. We know a lot of the same people, and um, I've never had an, a, a negative experience with any of the designers from, from Kent. I'm sure they're out there, but I know that uh, you guys are, are hyper smart and, and very with it. And um, so I'm curious, I wanted to talk a little bit about your background. I want to know what, what that moment was when you realized, like, I have to be a designer. What was that moment? When did that happen? Did it happen? Uh, it did, but it uh, it was in a. I guess it happened in two second, two different time periods. So I'm first generation American. My family's from Jamaica, yeah. And um, my older cousin Neville um, was the first in my, uh, I guess, secondary uh, family circle. Not my mother, father, but the circle right outside of that. So to, to go to college, um, and he actually studied graphic design at a college called uh, Damon in Buffalo, New York. Um, I basically idolized my cousin and he and I still were really close. And um, whatever he did, I wanted to do. Uh, he drew, I drew, he wanted yeah. to do graphic design. Do graphic design. So um, I went to Cleveland Institute of Art. Um, I 
Media, digital media, which is like a mixture of photography, um, graphic design, as well as um, video. Cool. Um, and after we started as an in-house designer at Case Western, well, I worked for about five years. Um, I was grateful for the position, but I didn't really enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Um, mainly because it just felt like this assembly line type of situation, and um, where you get one project, you complete the project, you don't, you don't really have time to think about it, then you're on to the next one. Right. Um, I met with Ken DeSacchio O'Grady, who was the chair for the graduate program at Kent State, and you know, voiced my interest in getting a master's degree, but also once voiced my apprehension of going back into the field. And when we talked about design research and some of the projects that they were working on, that's when I really had the aha moment. This is what I really want to do. Um, yeah. They, uh, he talked about a uh, design for malaria project that the students at Kent worked on, where they, um, hold on one second, my boys are being really loud. I don't know if you can hear them. Um, I can pause, no problem. One second. In, I'm like in a, in a corner in a room trying to hide from my kids and it's like <laughs> hard. The COVID teaching, working and homeschooling at the same time with yeah, two man. boys. You've yeah. got a lot of pressure. I, I completely relate. We're, we're homeschooling our daughter, our four-year-old. And, um, you know, fortunately it's going pretty well, but like she was, while you stepped away, she was in the bathroom with the water on. And I'm thinking like, oh no, she's got the water guns or something. <laughs> oh man, I had, a, I had a meeting and I realized that my son was, well, my son was sitting next to me. I didn't realize what he was doing, but uh, he ended up, putting his finger in my nose during the meeting. So I'm talking and then all you see is this like tiny hand just come across. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. Fatherhood. But yeah, um, <laughs> when I met with Ken, he talked about how um, they were able to use design uh, research methods in order to find a way to communicate um, how to diagnose, treat um, malaria symptoms to a largely literate population using nothing but um, visual icons. And I fell in love with that. The idea of being able to use design to help people um, was, you know, amazing to me. Rather than yeah. using it to promote a service, a product, an event, or to fundraise. Um, so I think at that point is when you know the light bulb went off in my head, and I said, "This is what I want to do." You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because a lot of folks go into design, and depending on who their instructor is, like I've had instructors whom have never used design to contribute to humanity in a meaningful way. Um, so it was always about capitalism and like, you know, what product are you developing? What advertising problem or communications problem are you solving with design? It was never, you know, how do you solve food deserts using design, for example? Um, and um, as soon as I learned that, and actually that wasn't even, that was something that I learned meaningfully in graduate school, similar to you, right? Um, I just, so when I started teaching, it was important to me that my undergrad students understand that that is something that they can do even well before they get to graduate school. Yeah. 
I think uh, there are a lot of programs that, I think most programs for the most part are very interested in the job market and getting students in and working in the field without necessarily right. thinkers. Um, to an extent, I understand the benefit of thinking being job centric, you know, students are making heavy investments into, into colleges and to be a part of right. the classrooms. They need to get an ROI on that investment, but I do feel like a lot of the institutions while bolstering this creative ability, um, building these fancy portfolios, do uh, lack a lot of the conceptual and not the conceptual, but uh, strategic thinking um, mm -hmm. that students could definitely benefit from. Um, there are books out now, um, uh, I forget the author's name, but the book, um, Ruined by Design, that begins to ask like, you know, very, you know, poignant questions about design ethics, you know, just because you can make, should you make, what, what things should you not do? Um, right. The questions of possibly having like a design's version of a Hippocratic Oath. So, you know, not only understand what you're making, but the impact of what's being made has on other people. So um, I think for myself, that's also important um, as well for my students, similar to you. Um, yeah. Yeah understand the ethics of what they're making, um, understanding uh, the power dynamics and the visuals that we use, understanding, um, you know, cultural sensitivities, understanding um, a bunch of these different things because, you know, what we create here, um, even if it's only for um, a local market, uh, considering how big the American economy is, um, can definitely spill out and influence cultures outside of the U.S. or outside of our immediate, you know, circles. Right. And so a, a great, another great thing you brought up is, you know, considering that international perspective, you know, I feel like when we're taught how to design and some of the philosophies and principles and ideologies behind design, a lot of that is coming from different parts of the world, especially Europe. Right. You know, um, I, I, I think most designers are like, they seem to be influenced the most by, Swiss minimalists, right? Um, yeah. But then they're not looking at what's going on in Brazil or in Japan. And when you take a look at that kind of work, it, it can be mind blowing because it's just so vastly different from what we're used to, you know? And yeah. again, that capitalism corporate aspect of things like keep it simple, keep it clean, minimalistic. Like it's also, it also feels like that's the easiest way to do it, to do things. So yeah. I don't know about you, but when, when I was in school, like I was trained to be a minimalist and, mm -hmm. you know, some of my peers, like they're really great illustrators and they were finding that like, they couldn't really effectively or intuitively use illustration in their designs, despite the fact that like illustration is this highly coveted skill, at least in my perspective with design. So yeah. I, I, I used to illustrate, I used to be able to do it and then I gave it up so I could learn how to code and that worked out well for me, but not a day goes by that I don't miss a pencil and, and drawing, yeah. you know what I mean? So when you see like all of this work that's occurring elsewhere and it being very illustration centric, um, you know, it, it definitely opens up, up your mind a bit to exploration and to your point like graduate school is is great for that yeah um, so i digress 
No, I agree completely. I think um, I feel that the lexicon for designers is, is limited to the, the Eurocentric lens. I do think that, you know, there's so many different cultures that, that have their own uh, visual way of expressing themselves um, that isn't necessarily tied to um, capitalism or industrialization or, um, you know, products that they may need to, to distribute. Um, I think, you know, realistically, we design outside of, you know, design thinking, which has been the, the new big thing for a lot of designers. We right. haven't really had a major, you know, pedagogical shift or a major philosophical shift in practice. But yeah. I do feel that, you know, opening up um, our, our scope to, to, to be more inclusive of other cultures could really expand that lexicon, um, especially because, you know, the way that people will express themselves and understanding why they're doing things a particular way um, expands how you think about things. Similar to learning a new language, you know, the way that they structure sentences and seeing how that influences how they think and then having to think that way and express yourself that way um, alters the way you may think about your word selection in your native language. Right. And so I'm curious, like, how do you incorporate a lot of what you're saying into your classes and how do your students react to that? Um, I usually try to find weird metaphors to kind of pull them in. Um, a lot of times I'm relating things to either music or food. Um, but my students, my students, I hope appreciate it. A lot of times they, 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 they describe me as uh, the uncle who always has a story at the barbecue. So, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm there and I'm always thinking of something to share with them, um, but in some different way. But I, um, I try to make sure that I'm, I'm creating those challenges, especially from a culture perspective. Um, I have a benefit of working at Texas State, which is a predominantly Hispanic university. Yeah. Um, so the uh, the areas of expression um, and the types of cultures that I'm introduced to, and um, that other students are kind of introduced to just by being in the room, um, makes for a lot of really interesting conversations sometimes. You know, I think uh, for me, um, what's interesting is, so you know when you're, let's say you're doing some page layout stuff and mm -hmm. there's one word that is used repeatedly or maybe it's the name of the company and it's not a fictitious name and you just keep, let's say it's, you know, Red Web, right? And you just keep looking at it, looking at it, looking at it until it becomes homogenous and it's not even like a proper noun anymore. It's just a thing. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't even read like how you're pronouncing it, right? Um, you just, it, it, you go deaf to it. And um, one of the things that, I, so I did a project in Texas actually for a nonprofit down there and they had, uh, the these booklets were in full English, but then they were converted to Spanish. So I had to uh, make modifications also to the Spanish language versions of those. And it was really interesting to see the interactions between letters um, in a different language. And, you know, it's not, it, translation of the content wasn't important. 
I was looking yeah. at the interactions of, of the designs of these typefaces and these fonts and all these other shapes. And it was really fun to work on despite not having, I, I knew the context of the content, but I didn't know literally what it was saying. So to have that, even that alter, you know, uh, supplemental language perspective, I think is really, really cool. And, you know, thank you for shaming me because I feel like I missed an opportunity to introduce a project that would be in an entirely different language. So I'm obligating you to do that now. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed. Um, I'd have to try to figure out how to work that in, but yeah. And, and I wasn't shaming at all by any means. <laughs> I know, but, uh, I know, I know. That was <laughs> self-shaming. But yeah, no, I think, um, I think there were a lot of things that could really push the, the scope of design. I'm, I'm a big proponent of students taking um, a lot more humanities classes, especially considering that, you know, um, what we make has so many different touch points. If there right. isn't understanding of sociology, psychology, and things of that nature, you know, we could be in a position where we create things that become harmful. Um, and I, uh, one thing I always tell my students um, when we talk especially at the early levels, whether it's foundation or their sophomore or junior, you know, whenever we're discussing art and um, the difference between art and design, you know, the thing that I tell them is that, you know, art is something that can be open to interpretation. Not that it always is, but it can be. It has that, that liberty. Graphic design, you don't really have that. Um, if you're designing, you know, a map, you're designing uh, the, the information that falls on a prescription bottle, things of that nature, Sometimes what you're designing can be life or death. Um, and also, you know, um, similar to uh, stained glass windows in churches, a lot of times what we make um, can be didactic. Uh, the visuals we choose, they, they, they build a narrative for some people um, right. in a country where people don't particularly like to read. So <laughs> <me and Captain>. <laughs> <laughs> the stories that we're selling and those narratives, it's, it's, it's really, really important. You know, that's something I've actually harped on a lot uh, on the, on the podcast is, um, designers and in particular student designers not having any interest in reading whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no defense for it, even though I've had some people say, well, most of our books are just pictures and designs and like most, not all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I tell my students it's, uh, read books on philosophy, read uh, American classics if you're designing within the American market, read uh, prominent books from other cultures, watch movies from other cultures, see how Absolutely. people... Yeah. Watch old I mean, cinema. Uh, you know, one of, yeah. the, one of the things that I did in grad school, I took a film class, you know, uh, uh, to your point in the humanities there, uh, I took a film class and we had to watch a few silent movies. Mm -hmm. um, and that was wild. Yeah. Right? That was so cool to actually see that, but not just see it, but actually experience that in a meaningful way and then have to critique it and analyze. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I taught a photography class while um, working at LaRoche and um, the class was mainly photography for designers. Uh, so I, I taught a lot of, um, I showcased a lot of old films by Hitchcock. I showed a lot of old photography, talked about a lot of different techniques, but mainly brought it back down to, um, you know, using rule, rules of thirds and, and things of right. that nature, portions and, um, you know, 
uh, visual directions, like guiding where the eye goes. And I even talked to the graphic design students and they were about, you know, like, you know, if you chose this technique, what, what real estate would you have left for type and things of that nature. Right. Um, so I feel like this, uh, I feel like this mixture of interdisciplinary practice um, has a way of expanding um, thought for students in a way that they may, may not have thought or even appreciated. Yeah, and depending on the program that they go to, um, yeah. you know, they won't necessarily get that, that breadth of knowledge. Um, yeah. I've known some people that either they didn't recognize it in undergrad or they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And they ended up going to grad school to find it. And that's certainly great. That's okay, you know. But I think from from our perspective, it's it's a bit disappointing, you know. Yeah. Um, but again, like it it all comes back down to the design of the curriculum, but also the professors teaching it. Like if they don't find value in speaking other languages, then you know they're not going to introduce you know uh, multi ethnic concepts and principles and ideas even uh, into their classes, which is you know, unfortunate. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that also boils down to diversity in the field of design, um, which there isn't much. Um, so it then becomes hard to then, you know, if you're a professor who's been teaching for the past three years, um, you know, it becomes hard for you to then consider, man, maybe I should teach, have to teach myself something that I didn't learn when I was an undergrad so right. that I can introduce to my undergraduate students. I find that most professors that have been teaching for a few decades are usually um, scared of change and also uh, slow to convince that, you know, this could be beneficial um, for the students going forward. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm looking there. I've, I've experienced a fair share of that myself uh, yeah. in, my, in my travels. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you can make that same argument for anything, but nevertheless, I wanted to ask you about, um your your research what so what are you researching right now and where do you want that research to go what do you want people to do with what you discover so currently my research um i explore uh images uh, that we consume and i try to pick them apart on a semi semiotic level um so what are they attempting to signify to particular audiences how does that influence culture um more specifically in terms of bias and racism. Mm-hmm. Um, so the images that we promote um, perpetuates uh, bias against particular groups. Um, this, in, ter- in terms of what I want people to take away from my research is, again, it expands the discussion on design ethics, on what's being made and being more cognizant of what's being placed out into the world. Um, whether that's, you know, um, Images like uh, the 2008 book cover with LeBron James that echoes the um, Destroy the Beast uh, 1917's uh, uh, poster, or uh, the H&M Coolest Monkey in the Yard hoodie, or um, Bindi's Black Face Monkey uh, chains that are being used. Having an understanding of what these images are, what they mean, how they perpetuate particular um, motifs and how otherizing particular groups uh, impact them. Um, you know, and that's not just an American thing. It's, 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 right. it's global. Um, you know, um, during the Holocaust, Jews were otherized, um, both in print and as well as several other ways prior to a lot of those atrocities happening. Um, during uh, World War II, 
um, in America, you know, Japanese Americans were otherwise um, uh, for, for some time uh, in France as well, prior to leading to the um, internment camps. So it's really a matter of, you know, looking at this and saying, you know, somebody designed these pieces um, and this, these ideologies came from somewhere. Granted, maybe the designer at the time didn't wholeheartedly come up with these concepts, sure. but they were made. And not only were they made, but they influenced other people and people acted on those beliefs. So it's, uh, my, my work is really a, um, a gathering of that knowledge to kind of expand the, the discussion on design ethics. You know, I, so my thesis was, uh, had a portion of it dedicated to World War II home front propaganda. Mm -hmm. And so I know a lot of like what you're saying and some of the mentality that, that went into it because there was some very racist, uh, you know, poster work done, um, mm -hmm. uh, towards Chinese Americans, you know, yeah. uh, and I mean, just like shocking. And, uh, but there was also like these incredible displays of violence and this is intended to, you know, inspire patriotism to recruit people into the war effort and, you know, the ability to influence and manipulate visually. That's something that with my students, especially when I was teaching design history was something that I, I felt like emphasizing every single class, mm -hmm. like, you can't learn this thing enough. Like you need to be so aware of how much power and influence you actually have uh, with your skills, with your capabilities. So instead of, you know, focusing them on, them on you know, something that is, you know, uh, unethical or dare I say evil. Yeah, right. Um, you know, you could be using those, skills to solve problems and make the world better. Um, and fortunately, we have savvy enough students that are like, yeah, that, that stuff's incredibly messed up. We don't want anything to do with it. Um, but, you know, it gives them the understanding that, you know, anything that we could do could be turned quickly, especially now with, with fake news, right? Yeah. Um, and really, also, I would say, uh, and I'm sure you've noticed this, but um, more and more people being able to create design or create imagery that is either, it doesn't matter if it's true or not, it's the fact that they can create it. So there are more creators now, and that's mostly because software has become more accessible and become easier. Um, so, you know, you and I have more of a battle on our hands in that respect. No, it's true. Um... There are more, um, it's funny, I, uh, I have the same um, conversation with my students in terms of like the bar of entry being so much lower now for the field. And I feel like that's similar for plenty of, uh, for many other fields. I just feel like it, it, it places more responsibility for the, 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 the people that are getting the adequate training and have uh, the proper skill level. Um, for some of my students, I talked about music, the music industry. Um, mm -hmm. Anybody with a sound, SoundCloud account can now uh, create music and send it out to the world. Um, and their, their responsibility of their, their use is, you know, up to them um, and their, their perspective and philosophy. But just because I have the tools to sing, you know, I have vocal cords, I have breath, doesn't necessarily put me on the same level as a Beyonce um, or, or an Adele. Um, and it, it places more um, 
weight on on the Adele's, the Beyonce's, and um, the the actual trained talents um, to kind of uh, push this 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 um, this uh, this 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 perspective on, right. on making and craft because uh, they have a great influence on culture. Um, and similarly, you know, designers that work for larger firms. Uh, art directors that decide what client to take on and not take on, um, what money is good money, what money is not. Um, that's where a lot of the responsibility comes in because, um, you know, it's it's very hard as a designer to not say that we don't have a hand. Um, you know, we're not bystanders in a lot of, you know, issues that come by hand of capitalism. So if we talk about, you know, global warming and pollution, uh, the amount of waste that's in the ocean, right. designed Oh, uh, the packaging for that waste. Um, there was a firm that designed it. There was a, a firm that chose the materials. Um, there was a firm that made the decision. Yada 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 yada. Um, and and now that's there. Uh, there's uh, a credit card bubble. Um, who's the firm that designs for Amex or Mastercard or Visa? You know, um, people. Uh, you know, like like all of these things. The 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 American idea of of you know of consumption and that consumption reflecting yourself. You know, I, um, I myself as an iPhone and Apple user joke with other Apple users about how we turn our nose up at uh, Android users uh, yeah. or PC users. Um, but that within itself is a part of the manipulation. Apple, you know, designs a lifestyle and then says, you know, this is who you should be both as a graphic designer and as a professional. Um, right. I show up to a freelance meeting and I don't have an Apple and I bring a PC with me, uh, their perspective of me is automatically different because their assumption of a graphic designer is someone with an Apple. But mm -hmm. they're a designer that helps build that ideology and that perspective. Yeah, once you buy into that brand, uh, that brand story, uh, that brand lifestyle, then you become a loyalist and it completely changes your your perception. And that and that's a two-way street. Just as you said, you know, how you're perceived and how you're perceiving. Um, I, um, I have always been a Mac user. Um, but when I, when I left uh, Youngstown State and I came to Pitt, they gave me the option. They're like, well, do you want a Mac or a PC? And I'm thinking, well, I'll do as the Romans. Like, they're all using PCs. It makes sense to use a PC. And then a few months later, I bought my own so i have two pc laptops in front of me meanwhile my imac is being neglected over there for the past nine months right so uh <laughs> and you know it it didn't even occur to me that that perception because uh, maybe it's because of the transition i experienced in my career and it's like i don't have to be like that specific type person or i don't have to i'm not a part of that lifestyle anymore i have no idea but um to your point, like, yeah, a lot of people think that uh, designers are one way and they're really not. So I'm glad that your research is helping uh, or will help people both really um, understand that some things, you know, uh, aren't what they appear to be. And uh, there's a way to, to parse through that and there's a process for understanding. Yeah, there is. There is. Um, what we consume visually is the language. And, you know, just as we have to be measured in how we speak to people, we have to be measured in terms of how we make things, because that also speaks to people. Um, there's a, uh, 
a parable. Um, I forget what culture it comes from, but I was told it as a kid, and it says that um, every tool carries with it the spirit of its creator. Mm -hmm. uh, so being cognizant of that, you know, everything that you make carries with it a particular message, the message of the person that, 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 that made that particular thing. So what are you trying to say? What, what impact do you want this to have? Um, and that may sound very uh, Yoda, Star Wars-ish, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's something worth considering. It absolutely is. And um, it doesn't sound too Yoda-ish. Yeah. So it's like just the right amount of Yoda, not too Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so your semester's over. Uh, are you teaching over the summer? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. What, are, what are you teaching? Uh, I'm teaching two classes. Um, they're both a design for experience class, which is um, basically a design research class where I teach methods uh, to an undergraduate class as well as a graduate class. Okay. Um, in both classes, I give um, an open-ended problem. Um, I teach them, you know, a few qualitative and quantitative methods to utilize, and they have to take those methods to solve the specific problem at hand. Cool. I love mm -hmm. that stuff. Uh, design methodologies was always a class I really enjoyed teaching. Um, did Did you have to teach that at LaRoche? I, I don't did. Know. I you did okay. Yeah, I taught it with uh, Andy Schwanbeck. We uh, we taught. I yeah. taught same. Well, like right across the hall from each other, we taught a section piece. Oh, okay, that's awesome. Uh, I was the first person to teach that class there, and yeah. um, I was able to my my MFA, my graduate program, really heavily inspired that. And uh, so I'm glad that you got to teach it because you know exactly how fun it is when those designers convert from just being producers to thinkers. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the results that they come up with are, can be really incredible. They are. It's really amazing. I, um, it's funny, we taught, um, one of the semesters that I taught that course, uh, there was um, a hurricane that had, that, that, um, Oh, man, there were so many hurricanes that year, but there was one that kind of uh, really impacted St. Thomas. And, uh, you know, Roche has a large uh, Virgin Island population. Right. Um, so we decided that we were going to explore um, ways in which design can be utilized to assist people that um, are in uh, in route uh, of a particular hurricane. Like, what can we do as designers? Um, as students who then had to take off their, their making cap and then had to put on a research cap um, and then go back to making, it was, it was, it, it felt like, uh, have you ever seen one of those videos where like uh, they give like a child who was born deaf a hearing aid for the first time? Oh yeah, they make me cry, every single one. It felt just like that, like it, it, it felt yeah. like they, they, they heard for the first time or they saw color for the first time or something to that extent um, where they realized like, oh man, you know, um, I've been, not that they've been making all wrong, but you know, there's this, uh, they've been making from a superficial perspective and there's, there's this much deeper, thorough um, level of investigation that they can actually go to um, yeah. to make something and, 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 and test it to see if it actually works with a particular audience. 
Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I could have said it better myself, actually. Um, that that moment of clarity, really, you know, that uh, uh, discovery reaction. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think that's what it is. It, that's when you know also, that, like, yeah, I'm doing my job right, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I... I love it. I think it's, I think it's amazing. I, I live for those moments. I live for those moments. So uh, I just had a, a few other questions for you. Um, what do you think? Uh, and I know this is like one of those cliche things, but uh, I'm curious to get your opinion on it. Cause I haven't talked to you in a while, but like, where do you, where do you see just design going even in the next five years? And where do you see yourself being a part of that? Um, so I think the next five years is hard to tell. Um, I like to think further beyond than that. Um, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I think technology is rapidly growing. Um, there, there are a lot of discussions on you know the possibility of you know uh, ships to Mars or uh, at living bases on the moon and things of that nature. Um, usually with extended uh, space travel, there's always, you know, increases to the amount of technology that we have. I think currently, um, you know, there's a push in design, as you mentioned, like the, the minimalist approach to have everything look pristine and perfect. And I feel to an extent, it begins to feel less human. I feel that there will be an eventual push for designers to start making things that feel a bit more craft oriented. Um, a bit more by hand. Um, right, organic. Yeah, things that feel a bit more organic because, you know, if everything is laser cut, if everything is printed and measured precisely and perfectly, it, it doesn't feel like it's been touched by humans anymore. Um, I think also the interfaces that we're used to designing for will be different. Um, you know, I've seen, I've, I've been looking at prototypes uh, just just reading like um, different science journals and people that are attempting to develop uh, smart jackets and um, right. there's a scientist who took a would would save uh, footage of his colonoscopies and other um, x-rays and things like that that he would have and he ended up creating a 3d map of his body um, and when he had to go and get surgery he shared that 3d map with his um, his doctor um, you know, and talked about how this could be the future of medical practice. Um, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, but thinking about that as an interface, how how do designers then um, work with that type of technology to create an interface that is more user friendly for doctors and assist them with knowing the information they need during surgeries? So it's when I think of the field of design, I think. I start to explore the idea of where's technology going, what are things that, are pe that people are attempting to develop. Um, and once you have an idea of what people are attempting to develop, you, you have room to speculate where your design will go and what our students may need to know in the future to prepare for that. And that's where you're at. Yeah, that's, that's, those are things that I'm also looking at because realistically, who would have thought about, you know, when we were in undergrad, who would have thought of smartwatches, you know? Who, right. Yeah, who would have thought of, um, you know, social media and, and designing for social media as being an actual position um, or, or, or that the possibility of self-driving cars, or even electric cars. Um, you know, these are, you know, these are things that we didn't think about, but someone has to design the interfaces for these things. Right. Even yeah. the popularity of drones and, and such, you know, that it, it's like the since we were in school, like, 
technology has just grown by leaps and bounds like every single day and it won't slow down. So it's like, how does, how does our discipline adapt to that? You know, one of the things that always bothered me was the um, AI uh, for, or AI logo designers, right? Yeah. So it's basically yeah. throw in a bunch of different graphics and the AI learns how to make logos and um, the AI makes decent logos, but they have no context, they have no purpose or soul, they just happen to look good. And yeah. that's one thing I share with my students, like just be aware that this is a thing that exists now and it's rudimentary and it, you know, it produces uh, designs that are sufficient, but they're yeah. not great. Um, give that another five or 10 years and it might be completely different. So how do you, how do you expand beyond that? And, you know, to your earlier point of investing some of your education in the humanities, I think that's how you round out uh, your skill set and just your perception. And that also is going to help you get past, like, just being a production designer. Like, if you're just producing stuff, at a certain point, you may not be necessary because of that AI. If it's just production stuff, but like if it's deeply conceptual, it is researched, it, it, it's a solution that needs some spirit and some soul behind it, then yeah, you'll always be uh, valuable. You'll always be employable in that respect. Um, yeah. So last question for you. Um, our students uh, have graduated. Uh, some of them, we still have their interns or, you know, they're looking for internships. Um, during this point in time when, you know, the outbreak has hit, self-isolation is in play, um, and it's different all across the country. Um, but the one thing that is fairly universal is that the economy just is not there to support the students. There are no jobs. So what do you, what do you say to a, a student or students who uh, feel like their, their careers have been canceled or postponed? How would you, what would your be advice, what would your advice be for them to kickstart their career during this time? Oh man. Um, I don't think there's an easy answer for that. When I graduated in 2009, I graduated in the heart of the, the recession. Yeah. And, um, I was interning at Vibe Magazine, and uh, before the internship was over, we got called into the room and told basically that the magazine was going out of business. Um, any leads that I had for a potential job, anything of that nature was pretty much gone because um, so many businesses that were, you know, laying people off, offering buyouts, and or keeping everybody that they had uh, with no foreseeable um, hiring process um inside i ended up having to expand my skill sets um in order to you know find something um but it took some time and it took some investing um when i graduated from undergrad you didn't need to know anything about online you could strictly be a print designer and not have to worry about anything else right um, after the recession that wasn't the case uh the field of design you needed to be a bit more um more well-rounded, more uh, multi-dimensional. Um, you know, there was an expectation that you 
and to have some knowledge of After Effects and motion graphics, some knowledge of, you know, web designing, um, as well as print, um, which normally were, you know, second positions. Um, right. I would say with the, the field currently, uh, you know, I would spend some time investing in where, uh, I would spend some time uh, investing in design research. I would spend some time investing in um, other other practices that can round you out for the market. Like what are the needs, where are the needs? Right. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be design research per se, but thinking of smart blends um, to, to kind of supplement your work. So if you're a graphic designer, maybe if you're interested in cognitive psychology, it could be something that um, could be a great addition. Now, you know, if you get a position, you know, the type of position that you get um, is something that maybe you've carved for yourself in a particular company because of the need that they have. Maybe it's, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a designer and a product designer, but I'm also uh, taking some uh, mechanical engineering classes. Um, because that also expands your ability to work within a, within a practice, um, depending on the type of company you want to work for, whether that be an IBM, uh, Rockwell, or, or things of that nature. Um, but, but thinking about what, what it is that you want to do, the type of company that you want to work for, and then think about the other positions and, and services that that company provides, um, so that you can find ways to kind of expand your skill base and then make yourself more desirable to that company. I think that was a great answer. And that was very positive and uplifting. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I wasn't concerned that there wasn't an answer or, you know, people were going to get news that they didn't want to hear. But uh, I, I think what, what you have to offer is absolutely on point. I mean, this is a great time to learn how to stand outside of yourself or expand expand what you know um, into different areas. You know, design can affect everything, every discipline. Yeah. And it's also great because design can be affected by everything and yeah. influenced. And not all disciplines are like that, you know, especially, well, the sciences, obviously. But like design is the one thing that influences and can be influenced. And I, I love that about our discipline. And, you know, I tell my students, you have to know uh, a little about a lot. And yeah. the best ways to do that is to just dive in and be inquisitive and curious and ask questions. And, um, you know, especially if you're, if you're a thinker and you like solving problems or you like puzzles, like design is a, is a discipline that I think will really appeal to that nature. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, You've got great advice and, and I'm certainly going to uh, listen to it because I'm not really a design teacher anymore. So, <laughs> no, I am, I'm, I'm still a part of the family, but um, not in the way that you are. And um, I appreciate um, your efforts in, in your research area and what, how you're trying to use design to get people to do, to question and, you know, question what they see, but also, question the experiences that they get um, from how they're being influenced. And, um, you know, I think that's going to help make better designers, uh, smarter designers, and um, ethical 
designers. We need more of those. We definitely absolutely, need more of those. absolutely. Uh, Omari, if if folks are interested in in learning more about you and your research, how can they find you? How can they get a hold of you? Uh man, uh, that's always a tough question. To, to I can answer, answer this. He's only on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm only on LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm only on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can shoot me an email. Um, oas21 at texasstate.edu. Um, I'm always interested in collaborating and talking more about my research. So, awesome. to do your job. Thanks, man. This was great. Let's do this again sometime soon. Yeah, man. Uh, and whenever you're in Texas, let me know. I still, uh, still owe you some brisket and a beer. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm hoping that we can go down in maybe the next year or two. Let we'll me know. See. All right. Sounds good. Barbecue spots. <laughs> we'll do a separate uh, podcast recording on barbecue. That'd be amazing. All right. <laughs>